Good morning, everyone. Hey, it wasn't the catchy walk-up music, but the message was awesome. So happy Father's Day, dads. <laughs> I'm Pastor Rob. I'm the pastor for Congregational Care, and, and welcome to all of you joining us here in person today, and to uh, all of you who are joining us online. It's great to have all of you here, and I can, I can feel the energy in the room as we continue to emerge from this pandemic. It's awesome to feel that spirit and that energy among all of you, so, so welcome. Yay, that's exactly it. So... I'm a dad. Um, I have three daughters. And I'm going to tell you something. In our house, they often kid me about the need for men. And yeah, it's true. We sit there at the dinner table, and every once in a while, one of my daughters will look at me and say, Dad, we really don't need men. Um, and the reason is, I mean, they witness the good and the bad of men. By the way, have, have any of you ever seen the video of the boys standing around the garbage can? that has the little flip-up lid. And one of them stands there, and the one hits the thing, and the lid comes up, and it hits him in the face. And then they change places so that the other one can experience it. That is their evidence. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go home. It's your homework for this week. But that's their evidence. They look at me and say, Dad, why do boys do that? Uh, I can't answer that. Uh, but somehow, uh, growing up in a house that at one point in time housed four boys, somehow I relate to it and it makes sense. I can imagine standing there going, go ahead, hit it. <laughs> as men, there are times that we do some pretty dumb things. But I will say this also, as a parent of three teenage girls, I'm okay if my daughters are sitting there questioning the value of boys right now. <laughs> Yeah, and that's another sermon for another day. <laughs> but the truth is, they're, they're wrong. We need men. We need dads. Um, as a father, I can tell you that I, I know that I am biased here. I know that I am not a di disinterested party. But the reason that we celebrate the, the role of dads is we need dads. And we need those who act in place of dads when there, weren't, when there aren't dads. And we need men who want to be dads. We need all of these people. And as a matter of fact, even as we sit there and we look at the nature of, of the Trinity, we see God as the Father. Dads are important. So for today's lesson, I, I chose a piece of scripture that's a familiar story, and one that I'm sure many of you know well, but instead of looking at the story from the perspective of a lost sheep, welcome back, I want to look at it as a dad story. Call it an instructional guide to being a dad. You may know this passage best as the parable of the prodigal son, but it has another traditional name as well the story of the good father. Today's scripture is from the book of Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Now, let me set the, the table for, for this piece of scripture for a moment and give it some context. In Luke 15, Jesus is sitting among the Pharisees, who are the righteous leaders of the church, who are sitting there and grumbling because Jesus is hanging out with sinners. Now, if you spent any time listening to any of my sermons, you will know that I hold a special place in my heart for any of these passages because 
For me, the good news story is, is that in the midst of the failures that we ever experience in life, Jesus loves us. The message is constantly that God loves us, he wants a relationship with us, and he wants to restore that relationship. So when I hear any parable and story of failure that leads to redemption, I get really excited. So as as the chapter of Luke continues, Jesus responds to the Pharisees by sharing these three parables, and the first is the parable of the lost sheep. The next is the parable of the lost coin. And then finally, this piece of scripture that following along the lines of that, we refer to as the parable of the lost son. But as I noted, I really want to focus on the father's role in all this and his love for his children as much as the story of redemption. So we begin with verse 11. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. So let's take a moment and focus on on dad here. When the younger son comes to him and seeks his inheritance, don't we immediately ask the question, why doesn't dad just say no? I mean, really, the request at this point in time seems a little forward. Hey, Dad, before you die, can I have my inheritance? And and the younger of the two sons, and he has another son, approaches his father, and he says, "Um, I, I need this. Now, there's a few different things that Dad could have done at this point in time, and there's some different things that were probably going through his mind. First thing is that Dad knew that his son was likely going to have a tough go of it, especially if he would stick around, if he would take his inheritance and continue to compete with with Dad and with his brother. And maybe he was willing to let him fail, because we know we can learn from our failures. Um, He might have just simply realized that his son was going to have little opportunity to grow, and so he was willing to let his son go out on his own and have a chance to spread his wings. Or it's even possible that maybe dad just had a tough time saying no. Each of these options is tough as a dad, and I struggle with these decisions all the time. My girls are growing up fast. Uh, I feel like it was just yesterday that my biggest worry for my kids were where could they crawl off to and how fast could they get there? And now all of a sudden the decisions seem to get bigger and heavier and the stakes seem to get a whole lot higher. But yet there's no instruction book that's ever been handed to me that says, hey dad, when this happens, this is what you do. So I can empathize with that a little bit here. And you know, I see the same thing as a teacher. I I will tell you, I I do empathize with with parents as as they want to see success in their kids. But here's something I've learned, that sometimes as dads and as parents, we have to step back. And sometimes we have to let our children fly on their own. And I'm not always going to be there by their side for everything that they experience. So dads sometimes have to let go. But here's the thing. We know kids don't always make the right choices. 
but we still have to let them try. Even when it means they won't succeed. And believe me, as a dad, I can tell you, I, I definitely want to step in. Um, I, I want to be there. And if the situation is bad, I want to make sure that they have the softest landing that they can find. So I empathize with dad here. Dad wanted his son to succeed. His son made a request for him, and he said, okay. It was a hard choice. But you know what? You know who else has hard choices? We all do. You know that whole free will thing? Did you ever think about the times that maybe we've gone to God and we've asked for our inheritance ahead of time? For the blessings that he gives to us, for the the things that we do for the ability for us to fly on our own? Do we always make the right decision? Certainly not. If our actions were judged through a biblical lens, are our decisions always the right ones? And it's not just us, though. It's been that way from the beginning. Right there in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we hear that God gave it all to Adam and Eve told them one thing not to do. And how'd that work out? Now, you know, things in this story are going to get worse for the son. Not only is he going to squander his money, but as it continues, we hear more. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. You know, the timing for the son in this story couldn't have been worse. Um, Not only did he waste his money, but now the world is struck by famine. And by the time he sees the error in his ways and he begins to work, it's it's not enough to, to feed him. And even though the son, even though he tried to remedy the errors of his ways, it wasn't enough. And we know it's even so bad to the point that the food of the pigs looked good to him. So the son decides that what he needs to do is humble himself and go back to his father, even being willing to be a servant. The passage continues. So he returned home to his father, and when he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Now, what do we expect from the father here? A stern lecture? The father to put his hands up and say, you're not my son. That's what we would expect. But what we learn here is that good fathers are forgiving. When the son returns home, the father runs, not walks. He runs to the son. The scripture tells us he is filled with two things. 
love and compassion. He sees the sun in the distance, and he doesn't wait for him to arrive. He runs to him, and he greets him. These are acts of love. This is, a, this, is an, this is an action of a father who's so excited to see his son that he goes to him. And it's important to realize here that the departure of the son was more than just taking his inheritance. The scripture tells us that the son went to a distant land. The son was gone. He was literally lost. This isn't an age of long-distance telephone. This isn't an age of messages. If the son picked up and gone, he was gone. And I don't think that the choice of words was unintentional here. This was a complete sin against the family to the father. And we can perceive that the father was disappointed when his son left. And listen, as a dad and as a parent, I know there are times that we can be disappointed without a show of hands. And I've seen your Facebook posts where people put those lists up and say, give yourself a point for everything that you haven't done with some very dicey choices, folks. And some of you have some awfully low scores. <laughs> I know we've made some bad decisions. I know we have made some decisions that we could honestly say, I have disappointed my dad. Can we also say the same thing when it comes to our decisions that we have made as God looks to us? But here's the thing. God asks the same of us as the father did for his son. He says, just come home. Come home with a humbled, repentant heart. And I want to reiterate that the son squandered what he had, but then he tried. He didn't give up. We know from the scripture the son looked for work. He tried to do it on his own, but what he found was he couldn't do it on his own, and we can't either. We can't do it on our own. We need the grace that's shown to us by Jesus, and when we return with a repentant heart, we too are welcomed home in the same way. That's the good news. We hear more about it in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verses 10 through 11. It says that in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by the means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. But in the midst of all this seriousness, though, there's something else that we need to remember, and that's that dads need to celebrate the good times. Dads need to celebrate when the good things happen, because let me tell you, it's easy to lose ourselves in the seriousness. Um, I get the challenges and the responsibilities of being a parent, and I also know that in life, it's easy for me to get lost in life and my job, I need to remember to, to laugh more. I need to remember to celebrate more. I need to remember when the good things happen, we need to celebrate. We pick up the story in verse 22. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. 
For the son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. The dad did not lose sight that this is a time we're celebrating. He calls for a robe, he calls for a feast, and they celebrate. Yeah, it'll be time to talk. I don't believe that moment ever disappeared. But this was the time to celebrate. This was the time to enjoy the good times. Celebrate those things. Don't just get caught up in the heavy stuff. Life's too short. But then there's one final lesson in this from our dad in the story, and that, that is that dads must teach their children also. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother's back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and he wouldn't go in. The father came out and begged to him, but he replied, all of these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a thing that you told me. And all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? I'm sure there are times that we relate to the older son in this story. Um, I can hear the phrase, but dad, dad, he wasted his money. Dad, I'm the better brother. And here's my favorite. Dad, this just isn't fair. How many times have you heard the explanation that fair isn't always equal? I deal with this all the time as a teacher. I think I deal with it even more as a parent. Now, I want to return to my opening because God the Father is doing some of this teaching with the parable. Remember that the Pharisees were grumbling. Why were the sinners getting time with Jesus? Why were they getting the blessings? We're the righteous ones. It was for the same reason the Father celebrated the return of the Son. Here comes the lesson. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was found dead, and he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Sure, the Pharisees were upset. They were the religious leaders who, who were best known for their attention to detail and in following the law. Like the older brothers, they did what was expected of them. And now here's Jesus hanging with the sinners. But we need to remember, though, ultimately, it's not what we have done. It's not our righteousness. It's not the reason that we receive grace. When we sin and when we fail, and we will, it's the grace of Jesus that gives us salvation. The Pharisees and the righteous may feel that they are more deserving, but it's not about us. Remember, the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, says God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So the father shares the lesson, and I love the way he does it. He's not harsh. He's affirming. Yes, son, you've stayed by me, and I love you for it. And everything I have is yours. I love the reassurance that he gives his son. But he says, but we had to celebrate because your brother was lost, and now he's found. The father doesn't provoke the son. He teaches him. He doesn't reprimand the elder son. He explains. He doesn't dismiss him. He advises him. The book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. What's the lesson of the Father here? It's the lesson of grace. So what does that mean for us? It's the message we should be listening to all the time. It's because of the good news. Yes, we're going to fall short of God's grace, and we're going to fall, or excuse me, of God's expectation, and we're going to receive the grace just like the prodigal son. We will make mistakes. And by the way, sometimes when we're like the Pharisees, and we're doing the grumbling, we too need some grace. And just like the father to the son, he offers it to us as well. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings uh, upon us and for the care and guidance that you give us as our Heavenly Father. And Lord, we thank you for the love and compassion that you show us through your Son, Jesus. And, And Father, we're grateful that you live in our hearts and are with us every day. And Father, even more so, we are thankful that when we are lost, Lord, that you you celebrate us when we come home. That in the midst of the brokenness and the, the, the challenges of this world, Lord, you love us. So Lord, on this Father's Day, we ask you to bless all those who are dads, those who want to be dads, and those who, who fill in for dads, for those who are the role of dad in our lives. Father, continue to give them wisdom and guidance and strength. Help them to to lead their own flock like you do yours. And Father, we thank you for Jesus who modeled all these things for us and ultimately for the gift of grace in our lives. In Jesus' name.